Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Female Founders Network, a podcast brought to you by invoice to go I'm your host, Nat, and I'm joined by my co-host, Sylvie. Hey, everyone. We record our show in the Forbes Street studio in downtown Sydney, Australia, but we bring guests from all over the world. So you'll hear people from the US, the United Kingdom, Europe, the Asia Pacific, anywhere that we find women who lead and inspire others. This is a great podcast for women who are navigating business ownership, leadership, or just life. Each episode should connect you with someone else's story, but also leave you with practical tips and advice that you can use in your own life and in your own business. Today, we're speaking with Sophia Yen, the founder of Pandia Health, a birth control subscription that automates the process for women to get their birth control delivered in the States. In this episode, we'll find out how Sophia was inspired to start Pandia Health and the journey of the company so far, from testing the market to her expansion all across the U.S. Sophia's passion and brilliance really shines through, and we know you'll love this episode. Also, if you'd like to meet and learn from other like-minded female business owners and women leaders, make sure you join our Facebook group. It's really easy to find us. Just open your Facebook app and type the Female Founders Network into your search box. Hi, Sophia. How are you today? I'm great. I'm excited to speak with you and so wonderful to work with other, you know, women that are interested in supporting women and women entrepreneurs. Absolutely. Uh, Well, we're (laughs) excited to talk to you too. Very excited. Um, This is (laughs) such a beautiful business that you have started. Do you want to start by telling everybody where you're calling in from? Yeah, so I'm calling in. Hello, everybody from the heart of Silicon Valley, Sunnyvale, California. Beautiful. (laughs) And how did you, loaded question, how did you become the woman that you are today? Tell us your whole story. want to know every single detail. (laughs) (laughs) This might take a while. I think it's a book. We've got time. (laughs) (laughs) I think it started in about fourth grade. My mom was asking me, or, you know, people are always asking, the pediatrician's always asking, I come from a pediatric background, and our favorite question is, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I wanted to be a doctor, because I like people, and I like science, and bringing the two together. And then as I grew older, I was passionate about adolescents' rights to confidential reproductive health care, adolescents' rights to comprehensive sex ed, and had a personal interest in making sure that uh, young people had the right to birth control. And I was a uh, pregnancy test counselor for Mm. Planned Parenthood. Mm. I was 15 years old, and I was running a pregnancy test for a 13-year-old. And the test came back positive, and it just devastated me because I realized, oh my goodness, this is going to change her future because of the path that she chose. And had she only been given comprehensive sex ed, had she only been given birth control, Mm -hmm. this could have been prevented because we have such great birth control, but also the Mm self-confidence. And um, so I've co-founded sheheroes.org, which is targeting third to eighth graders Um, highlighting women in jobs where we're underrepresented so that way young people can see you can be whatever you want to be as long as you work hard towards it and that women can be whatever we want to be so we can set up the boys to know that your CEO may be a woman and definitely your peer at least will be a woman. Mm. So um, to set that up and had she had that, maybe she wouldn't have had sexual relations so early maybe and had she had the comprehensive sex ed and the birth control that could have been prevented. And so that was, you know, kind of struck a a light in me. Then I went to, (laughs) 
MIT to get my undergrad in um, biology and was pre-med the entire time. Went to UC San Francisco, one of the best medical schools in the world, was privileged to go there, trained with the most amazing teachers, loved them, so liberal, so cool. And then went to Children's Oakland to specialize in pediatrics. And then another three years again at UCSF to specialize in teenagers and young adults and what we call sex, drugs, rock and roll, a little acne, and some sports medicine. (laughs) Okay, can I just pause you and tell you how much I admire every single fucking thing you just said? Yeah. That was so amazing. (laughs) Oh, my God. Wow. Okay, so then what happened? (laughs) So, yes, then I uh, went to Berkeley to do a master's in public health, um, specializing in maternal child's health and obesity, because my passion has always been reproductive health, but it was under the Bush era. And I was like, I can't get funded for reproductive health, but I bet you I could get get funded for obesity. Mm. So then I specialized in obesity and just a random aside, taking a negative and turning it into a positive. So for pediatrics and adolescent medicine, we hate video games because, you know, violence and just sedentary behavior. But a new set of video games had just come out, Dance Dance Revolution. Gotcha. And so my proposed NIH study was Dance Dance Revolution versus Standard of Care versus a Pikachu pedometer. So this was from the (laughs) era, I don't know if you know, the Tomagotch was a pedometer. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The more you walked, the happier your little animal was and you could feed it things and it would evolve from an egg to an animal to, you know, and you could swap points with other people so I was like this is a cool pedometer right and so that was my proposed study the NIH and unfortunately they shot it down which was deeply disappointing to me Mm. and then I went to work for Stanford where I'm currently a clinical associate professor in the department of pediatrics in the division of adolescent medicine and then about six years ago I was giving a talk to a bunch of physicians about what are the causes of pregnancy why do those with uteri not take their birth control. And one of the top reasons was didn't have time to go run to the pharmacy Mm -hmm. every single month for 30 years of our lives in a prescribed period of time by the evil insurance company, Mm -hmm. which only lets you go seven days ahead of time. If you go eight days ahead of time, uh uh-uh, you gotta come back tomorrow. And it's just outrageous. And so my friend and I were like, we could solve this. We'll just ship birth control to women and keep shipping it to them until they tell us to stop. Wow. And then we ran ads for free birth control delivery, you know, and Google to test things out. And about 60% of those who responded didn't have a prescription. And as an entrepreneur, I don't want to run ads where 60% of my ads are useless. And so I'm a physician. I can write prescriptions. And thus the entire Pandia Health platform was born. The end-to-end solution for birth control You know, basically, there's no excuse for not getting birth control. There's no excuse for running out of birth control if you use our platform because we can write the prescription if you need it. Or if you already have a prescription, then we're just here to deliver it. You just tell us where it's at. We move it to our partner pharmacy. We bill your insurance. If you have no insurance, no problem. It's roughly $15 for most pills uh, per month. And then we we bill it to you and we throw in some goodies from our partners, female founded, female led companies or just cool products and then uh, set it and forget it. Let Pandia worry so you don't have to. Oh, my God. That is 
awesome. That's so, so good. <laughs> so, okay. So you, you saw... A, I'm pumped. Yeah. <laughs> I feel so energized awesome. by, like, that whole story. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh. We are about women's empowerment. So yeah. I hope I gave you some power. Totally. Yeah. So, okay. So one of the, the problems that you saw... Um, for young women not getting on birth control or n- not, you know, choosing to to be on birth control, you s- there is a time thing. There's an access thing. What other yes. problems are you solving here? So we surveyed about 123 women aged 25 to 35 who are currently on the pill patch ring. Mm-hmm. And what were their top reasons for not getting their medicine or taking it? And number one was didn't have time to run to the pharmacy. Mm -hmm. So we take care of it and you don't have to deal with it. We try filling it as soon as possible and we send it to you. So automation. Um, The other part was, as you mentioned, humiliation. So you can imagine even in liberal San Francisco, I walk into the pharmacy and then my grandmother walks in behind me and she's like, Sophia, what are you here for? You know, and you're like, oh, I'm here for birth control because I have sex, grandma. You know, also, if you go to a small town and there's like nosy Nancy and she's like, oh, I saw Sophia and she was at the pharmacy and she was there for birth control. You know? And so none of your business But you know, in my liberal world, I would be proud and be like, I'm here for birth control. I got my birth control under control and I will plan how many children and when I want them. And that has Mm. been my life. And I've been privileged to do that. But not everyone has that confidence. Not everyone has that access. And one example I give is there was a 23-year-old woman, 23, married. And today, not 1970s or 1960s, North Carolina, not like Boo Hickey, North Carolina, but like central, you know, inner city urban urban she went to her ob and asked for birth control and he put his hand on her shoulder and he said honey you're married isn't it time you start a family <gasps> and i was like oh my goodness did you report him to the medical board because that's like you know the reason you go to the ob if you're 23 and married is either to have a baby or to not have a baby yeah you know and for him to impose his values on you and this, oh. and she said, I didn't know what to say. I was just like shocked and, and I left. And I was like, oh. and I hope you didn't pay him and I hope you wrote him up. You know, yeah. like this is not okay. And so we, we keep you away from those kind of doctors. We yeah. give you access to cool, smart, liberal, evidence-based doctors. And if you look at our website, we're really proud. We list the first and last name of all our doctors. We list their academic career and then we also make them give us a line on why they're so passionate about reproductive health yeah I don't know um if you're in the same like generation zone as me Sophia Mm -hmm. I think I think that we might be but I (laughs) I was thinking a lot about this um and we started to chat about it before the episode began um but there's such especially with these younger demographics there's such a shame associated with women wanting to have sex, you know, young women yes. wanting to have sex. It's almost like, um, you know, young men are encouraged to pursue sex, whereas young women are supposed to be the ones preventing it. Mm. Or at least there was, it was really strong when I was young, but now it's yeah. it's basically, you know, it might still exist. I don't know. You'd have to ask yes. a young person today, and I'm sure you've had a lot of those conversations, but you're basically like, well, we can't change the cultural 
you know, inequality. So we're going to create yeah. a product that solves it, like gives you another way to solve it, yes. which I think is really admirable. Yes. Uh, and then another way we're going at it is destigmatizing birth control, that it's yeah. not birth control, but that it's hormonal treatment. So one concept we're putting out there is hashtag periods optional. And I discovered when I was trying to get pregnant and realized as a physician, the only reason we build up that lining every month, the purpose of that is to catch an embryo. Mm -hmm. And then when we don't catch an embryo, we bleed. And so why are we bothering to waste our energies into building that lining and bleeding every single month? For 40 years of our lives, when we generally only intend to have two children. And so in my ideal world, you would only build that lining and risk that bleeding for, it takes a lot of women on average eight months to get pregnant. It took me three. But if it takes you eight eight months, imagine a world where anybody with a uterus only had 16 periods in their lives. We are currently having 350 to 400 and if you study the Dogon tribe in Mali, which Dr. Beverly Strassman did, they only have 100 periods in their lives. And so this incessant menstruation that those of us with uteri are having is three and a half to four times what is so-called normal. What, what's your opinion on birth control over a long period of time and how the hormones in it affect your natural hormone balance? Because I've read and heard that you should have regular breaks from taking the pill to give your body a chance to reset. What's your medical opinion on that theory? Yeah, so I think if you talk to a lot of ob who are up on the literature, but also taking from the Dogon tribe in Mali, the natural state of a person with a uterus is pregnant or breastfeeding exclusively. How many periods do you have when you're pregnant? Zero, Yeah. right? And so having all these extra periods are putting us at risk of endometrial, ovarian, and oddly enough, colorectal cancer. It's also the number one cause of anemia and the number one cause of missed school and work in a woman under the age of 25. Hmm. And the hormones that we're giving are, you know, kind of like mimicking pregnancy. And that's why they work is they tell your body you're pregnant. So why would you build that lining or why would you pop out an egg? Mm -hmm. You wouldn't if you were pregnant. And there really is no need to take a break off of these hormones. And so I really advocate for anybody with a uterus, if you don't like bleeding and very few women that I know enjoy the monthly bleed, but some don't (laughs) mind it, that it is absolutely optional and it's better to not have the risk of cancer it's better for the earth to not have as much menstrual products we use i think 10 to 13,000 menstrual products if we're having 350 to 400 periods in our lifetime and Mm. we could cut that to just 16 periods yeah Hmm. though or at least 100 and not 350 to 400 (laughs) do you think there's still like a stigma and shame with having a period as well I think there is no shame except for the fact that I think those without uteruses don't realize it comes randomly. It does not come every Tuesday (laughs) at 3 p.m. It comes whenever the heck it wants. And if you're in the middle of a pitch, if you're in the middle of a volleyball game, if you're in giving a speech in front of your class and you don't know and you weren't, quote, prepared, Mm -hmm. then it will be embarrassing to have any bodily fluid expose itself, especially bright red, 
in your private parts where we all have shame, which we don't shouldn't and need to have pain and shame because yeah. it is natural. And that is without that, there would be no life. Right. But and so you all owe us because we bring life in the world. But um, exactly. but there is shame in that. Right. Yeah. And even the most feminist, I'll hide my tampons as I walk to the bathroom. I don't like swinging around. You know, like, <laughs> that would be a really cool culture. Right. If we did do that. Right? It's like, interesting. Hey. Yeah. Like I'm so fertile. Look at me right now. I am a, a female yes. goddess. Yeah. yeah. It's, yes. you know, I've I've noticed on Instagram this like tampon string movement. Have you noticed it, Sylvie? Have no. you guys seen this? It's well, I mean. No. I follow a lot of women's empowerment stuff, so (laughs) tons of tons of that stuff. But there's a lot of, like, sexy naked photos of women with a tampon string visible. And it's this movement of, like, normalized periods. It's like my body is beautiful and, you know, worth celebrating whether I'm on my period or not. It's not a time to hide in shame, which I think is really interesting. I mean, you really should be celebrating it. I know. I See, I I would obviously not want there to be, like, a period stain anywhere because it's, like you said, it's, like, bodily fluid. That's quite embarrassing. But I would quite happily say, like, oh, I'm so bloated. I've got my period today. And, like, (laughs) I want to (laughs) normalise... That going through that kind of feeling and as being able to talk about it without it being like, oh, hush, hush. Yeah. And I think it's kind of the same with birth control. I think what you're doing is such a cool concept and it's so empowering. I absolutely love it. Well, and for a woman to own her sexuality and teach them that at mm. a very young age is so powerful. Like, it's okay if you're 14 and you yeah. want to have sex. Yeah. It's okay. Like, yes. if you want to do that, that is completely natural. Mm-hmm. And, you know... Find a consenting partner that you feel comfortable with and, yeah. <laughs> you know, have have fun, but do it in a safe way. Yeah. We're not going to shame exactly. you for wanting to do that, mm. you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. Use a condom. Know the risks. Yeah. And, you know, I, I do tell young people that when you have sex, for those with penises, control your sperm. Because once it leaves your body, it's the person with the uterus's choice. And she can make mm-hmm. you a baby daddy. Mm-hmm. Or she can terminate the pregnancy, but it's her body, her choice. Yeah. And so control your sperm. But anybody yeah. you dilly dally with, you could have a 18, 35, 50 year relationship, right? If yeah. that condom breaks right. or if you don't use anything and that person decides to continue the pregnancy. Because even if that person says, oh, you don't have to be involved. Me and my mom will grow the baby. That baby's going to hunt you down at 18 years old and be like, where the hell were you my whole life? And we'll hate you forever. So don't think that you can walk away. Yeah, yeah definitely. I have a 14-year-old son, and I'm I, like, we had a big consent conversation. Like, nice. we had the first awesome. one. And we, like, do you understand what consent is? How would you go about getting consent? And he was so embarrassed the entire time. Oh. And he's quite a feminist because he was raised mostly awesome. most of his life by just me. <laughs> Um, so, <laughs> but like to have that conversation, and I think it's so important to have adolescents who yes. have sperm yeah. need to have, you know, you need to have these conversations with them as yeah. well. Sophia, do you think? Yeah. No, I love that tea video. Have you seen that one? Oh, the, the British one where like the consent with oh, tea. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Yes. So good. Sophia, do you think that there'll ever be a male pill on the market? And yes, they've been testing a male pill and a male injection. And I even saw a like 
temporary male um, vasectomy with, uh, really? with an occlusion coming up. And so the hilarious thing is they were doing the trials for the pill and the injection, and they were complaining of the side effects. And these are side effects that women have sucked up for all of these years in the 1960s, the invention of it, like, oh, you have decreased libido, or you have hairiness, or you have acne, or you have irritability. And I was like, yes, these are all the side effects that women have sucked up. And they stopped the trials, um, not because of the side effects, but because it was shown to be efficacious and they they were ready to move to the next step, but it was made fun of that they stopped them because of these side effects, but they just noted the side effects. So they are coming, but they do have side effects. Do you, is that something that you will then um, add to Pandia that you'll send? um... Yeah, I think we would definitely be open to it. And again, the the other side is I enjoy not having any periods. I haven't had a single period since my last child was born, as Mm -hmm. long as I take my medications. And you can achieve that with the IUD with hormone. You can achieve that with the implant. You can achieve that with the shot or the pill, the patch, the ring. Mm-hmm. And um, even if there's a male contraception, then you won't get that benefit. Yeah. So okay. I just hope that we can come up with something that in my ideal world, you just wouldn't have a period until you wanted to get pregnant. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's kind of like the, the double factor. But I guess if you're single as a male, if you had the pill, then that's something that you could protect yourself with as well. Because like you say, once the sperm leaves your body, then yes. it's not your choice anymore. So just to have that double exactly. protection. Um, yes. So when did you actually set Pandia Health up? And what were some of the challenges that you faced at first when you set up the business? Yeah, so in 2016, March, founded Pandia Health, the only women-founded, women-led, doctor-led company in the space. Mm. And as a bunch of <laughs> yeah, women founders, we wanted to make sure that we had all the elements in place. So I think it's unusual to have five founders, but that's what we wanted. We had myself, we had my sorority sister from MIT, who um, is a COO to take care of everything I didn't want to deal with. Nice. We had our CTO. We had a head of marketing and we had a pharmacist. And you're all women. We wanted all, yeah, uh, we're all women except for one. Yeah. Um, but women founded, meaning more than one. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Four out of five. Oh my gosh, amazing. Four out of five. Yeah. And um, the difficulties were one, getting funding. Yeah. And um, we saw our competitors who had come six months or a year ahead of us. One of them was Y Combinator. And Uh, I knew how many customers he had because, full disclosure, I'm an investor in his company. I invested not because of the birth control side, though I do think it's brilliant, um, but I invested because he's doing HIV drugs and there's huge margins on that. And if he can get it covered by insurance, he will make a ton of money. Mm -hmm. But if he doesn't, then it's a no-go. So it's a go or no-go. But anyway, because of that, I knew his numbers. And when he pitched Y Combinator, didn't disclose his numbers at all, immediately got, you know, one to one and a half million. Then came the next guy and he was 500 startups and he had 40 customers. Again, another million, million and a half. Mm -hmm. And then I have my company and we're like, oh, okay, we have 120 customers. We are the only women founded, women led, the only doctor led. And we're sitting around begging for a million dollars and nobody will give it to us because they're afraid of the other two who, and I was like, this is a big enough market. It's yeah. 17 million potential customers. And you don't think the only women-founded, women-led, doctor-led 
crazy, passionate Dr. Sophia Yen from Stanford company is going to be a player. Yeah. Like it, and so that was really, really frustrating and it has been frustrating. Oh and so God. it's really getting to the VC that it's not always one winner. Mm-hmm. There are some fields that there will always be three and I will be in the top three, if not the top one. Yeah. Because we feel we can build the relationship with women. We can build the brand that women trust with their health. And none of our competitors have that claim. Yeah, definitely. So what so what happened? Did you ever get funding at that point or in, in the future? Or have you been bootstrapping? So we did a friends and family round. Mm-hmm. And then we did a seed round. And Stanford Stardex was wonderful. Love them. If anybody has the opportunity to join group accelerator I would absolutely recommend it it's crazy it's free they don't take anything wow. and at the time everybody that got in they gave you 10% of every round through your series a so you can go around when you pitch Stanford's in for 10% oh my gosh you know that's amazing to, to give people the confidence since yeah. then they've huh. closed the fund because they want to revamp it or something like that but the program lives on and it's great Um, And then Women's Startup Lab was helpful. Springboard Enterprise was helpful. One of my fellow colleagues there introduced me to our major funder. And then Precursor Ventures, amazing um, seed and pre-seed group funders, um, minority-led. Charles Hudson is just a great guy and chooses amazing companies, and I'm just honored to be one of them. So Mm -hmm. they are our major funders. And we're in the middle of raising a growth round, taking advantage of COVID, which has been a tailwind for our company, Mm. decreasing our CAC um, by 50% and um, increasing our checkout from 13% to 40, 50%. Wow. All because people are now more used to buying online and getting things sent to their homes because of the pandemic. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And we have an interesting form of telemedicine in that it's asynchronous. You just fill out a questionnaire 24-7 at your leisure, and then our physician looks at it 24-7 at her leisure. But people didn't understand asynchronous, but now with asynchronous education, people get it. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, that's so <laughs> So that awesome. has been helpful. So how are you finding your, your customers? You mentioned that you did some Google Ads as a test to see what um, people yes. are, like searching for and stuff. How how are you mainly finding your customers now? Yeah, about seventy percent of our website traffic is organic, and as I like to say, I live, breathe, eat, and prescribe birth control. So I can spew <laughs> birth control facts in my sleep. I can you know <laughs> jump in on any podcast and talk about birth control. Periods optional. Um, etc. and generate a lot of content. Mm -hmm. And so if you go to our website, we have a ton of blogs, we have frequently asked questions. Uh, If you go to our YouTube, we have some videos with 260k views with Mm -hmm. no promotion, no advertising, simply because we know the questions that women ask. Will this make me gain weight? No, it won't. Will this um, help my acne? Yes, in general. Um, will this make me infertile? Yes, while well, you're taking it, but three to five days after you come off, it's totally out of your system. Mm-hmm. So we and you know, first time on birth control, here's Dr. Yen's tips. Do not take it first thing in the morning on an empty stomach, or you will be nauseous all day long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So this kind of content we're able to generate and and put out there. And then we absolutely use Facebook, Google AdWords, um, Instagram, we're playing with TikTok advertisements very costly yeah on tiktok 
uh, all of those platforms, TikTok, Facebook, Google. And it's horrible because it's an oligopoly, right? Yeah, yeah, for Mm -hmm. sure. I wonder if you guys could do some cool out-of-home post-COVID. You know, like like events or like some sort of like little. I'm just like marketing brainstorming for you now. Yeah. <laughs> like randomly. Yeah, no, of- I would love any suggestions <laughs> that you have once yeah. COVID's over. But I, I'd be happy to, and we're happy to give talks anytime. I love COVID because yeah. then I can do it by Zoom. But yeah. I also don't mind traveling. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. To cool places or not cool places to give a talk on birth control if women have questions on that. Yeah, I'm like wondering if because you have such a beautiful message of female empowerment. Yeah. That I Thank wonder you. if you could like hire some young women. Um, artists to do murals with like yeah. empowering statements sponsored Ooh. by you with your at yeah you know something like that and yeah. like spread the message it's making me think of um i listened to a great podcast um interview with whitney wolf who started bumble mm. and she used to be at tinder ah. and then she went to start bumble and the way that she got the message yes. out early on was actually going to colleges and sororities and hosting parties and basically getting all oh. the sorority girls to start using it and then that's yeah. how it started to organically yes. spread yeah. I think this, that is perfect for this as well because then you're educating the women they yeah. all talk and like it's just easier to kind of like spread and then yeah. you've got these young cool fun early adopters all spreading the message about Pandia Health and how they get their birth how control easy so easily yeah. yeah can you imagine having this I'm just like st- stopping for a second to imagine what it would be like to have had this in 1998 yeah. <laughs> like how <Yeah>. good <laughs> Oh yeah. Did oh, you man. have any challenges with um with obviously like shipments and logistics for sending all of this stuff out? Like you mentioned you've got partner pharmacies. Um do, do you, I'm guessing you ship nationwide around the whole of the United States. What did that look like setting yes. up that logistics and supply chain and making sure people get their birth control on time? Cuz surely one of the biggest yes. issues would be someone doesn't get it and then they have to skip a day and then it knocks it out. Yes. Exactly. So we are very, very conscious of making sure no one runs out of birth control and we try to ship it as soon as the insurance will allow us to run the charge. And so we're testing the insurances to see if they'll allow it at 10 days. Will they allow it at seven days ahead of time? Mm -hmm. And then for your first shipment, we're like, um, how many days until you run out? If it's more than five days, then we recommend you get one more pack at your local pharmacy and then we'll take over mm-hmm. after that. So that's what we do with our transfer patients. And then if you're a new patient to Pandia Health and then we're writing the prescription, we ask the same question, you know, do you need it within the next five days? If so, then we'll send one pack to your local pharmacy and then after that we'll pick it up. Um, in terms of the logistics, we we're blessed to have a partner pharmacy that was already set up to go nationwide but we do do our shipping through the U.S. Postal. And as I like to say, nor rain, nor sleet, nor snow is going to block your birth control because we use the U.S. Postal. And that is their motto. Sorry, the other I'm frustrating sorry. thing is um, that specifically with Facebook, Google AdWords, et cetera, there's a stigma against birth control. 
and women's health. And I have a colleague who was doing lubricant for the female and she can't run any ads on Facebook or Google AdWords because they think it's sexual or lascivious or whatever. But yet they'll run ads for erectile dysfunction. And it's like, so you'll help a 70 year old man have an erection, but the partner that he's with, who's dry in her vagina, you're not gonna help that. (laughs) And it's just horrible and irritating. And then the fact that like, I don't, they obviously were doing this in some third world country or something not or just not America where they're far more conservative when we said well um, we want to run ads and in some countries you can't run ads for birth control because they've banned it either the birth control or the ads and when we spoke to the rep they're like well why don't you run it as abortion I was like well, this is not abortion. The whole point of this is to prevent unplanned pregnancies and abortion. And the fact that you think we are the same, you are messed up, you know. And so um, I was just, like, appalled that this is the service person I had to deal with, you know, to try yeah. to get our ads to run. And still to this day, they won't let us retarget, and that's because it's a health condition. But that, you know, is really limiting if that's our our major form of advertising. Yeah. Wow, weird. This is like the same thing where they don't let women's nipples be visible Mm. on Insta. It's like the same kind of policy thing. Like, why is it if it has to deal with a woman? Like breastfeeding, right? Yeah. How do you teach someone to breastfeed if you can't show a boob? Yeah. Well, yeah, and it's really bizarre, like, the U.S. Um, relationship with female nipples. It's really strange to me. Like, mm-hmm. why can't we topless bathe yeah. on the beach? Like, why can't we, you know, it's yes. it's bizarre. And I, it goes along with this whole cultural attitude that prevents you from advertising mm. birth control. Even for fitness products, you can't even have, like, a woman, like, facing away with her bum in a bikini because that's not uh, that's against advertising policy. It's It's very... Very huh. conservative. I don't. Wow. I don't get it. Strange. Yeah, and it's for like fitness stuff. Huh. Yeah. And then like for period products, for the longest oh time, <laughs> you think we were aliens because women bleed blue liquid. You don't see red. <laughs> yeah, right. You only see blue liquid, and, and I don't know if they've enabled us to bleed red yet. <laughs> <laughs> Can we just normalize womanhood? Is yeah. that okay? Like, just generally speaking, maybe the movement should yes. be normalize womanhood or femininity. And the thing about it is none of y'all would exist if yeah. we couldn't do these things. Exactly. So yes. guess what? Yes. We're the reason. All of you lived in a uterus at one point. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yes. Jesus. I wear a uterus necklace <laughs> and I say respect the womb. We all came from the womb. And without yeah. the womb, we wouldn't exist. Yeah, there was a really funny meme that a a woman shared, and it was around, like, female reproductive rights and that kind of thing. And it was a bunch of of men signing into law something against female reproductive rights. And she's like, look at these men, you know, like, sitting here um, passing legislation against wombs like all of them didn't come out of one, you know? And it's like, (laughs) you all, like, you're here because someone carried you, you know? So why are you trying to oppress other wombs? It's it's just bizarre. We you're so inspiring. First of all, I just oh, you're, I'm oh, so inspired. It's just on so many levels. But what um, if someone ha- has a business or foundation or nonprofit that has to do with women's empowerment, whether it is you know access to birth control, whatever it is, um, what are the big things that you'd say to watch out for, or the tips that you give, or any last insight that you could give? I think the big tip for startups is 
to the best of your ability, get all things in writing and don't be pressured to make any decisions. Know that you can always consult a lawyer, you can consult a friend. If anyone tries to hard pressure you, then something's fishy, something's uh, wrong with that. Um, In the women's space, I love women helping women. And you'll meet women that help other women, and then you'll meet women who see each woman as a competitor. Mm, And I don't see it as a competitor. I'm one of the one that believes in helping each other, helping each other rise. And I ask everybody, you know, to open your eyes when you're spending your money and ask, who is the CEO? Who is the founder? What are their values? And do they match mine? And if you have two companies equally the same, please choose the one that's female founded, female head, because <laughs> there are fewer of us and we want to achieve parity and yeah. equality. And um, I started a nonprofit project. We'll be launching it bigger soon, but you can check it out now. It's called full.co. It's FFFL.co, which is female founded, female led. And we want half the sky filled. We want our hearts full. We want the glass full and we want the table full and to achieve that women must lead I feel 50% of the companies and be 50% of the boards and be everywhere 50% at least and so that's where you can check out female founded female led and that's where you can get a logo for your company if you're female founded female led to put on your website to signal but really getting consumers aware of any company you use try to choose one that's female founded female led given all things equal, but particularly for women's health, maybe the female founded, female led one will be better. And certainly the female founded, female led, doctor led one might be better. This is awesome. I've added the the full to the show notes as well. So that if you're listening, you can quickly tap that and and check it out and get your business added. Beautiful. And if people want to use the subscription service, um, just remind us how to find it. Just go to pandiahealth.com, and if you have a prescription, then just say, my doctor's sending it in, or it's already at a pharmacy, and if you need a prescription, then currently we're in Arizona, California, Colorado, Florida, Texas, Wyoming, and another state that escapes me, but we're expanding as we get more money in terms of where we can write the prescription, and I also want encourage birth control tourism as long as you're physically in any of those states when you fill out the questionnaire we can write the prescription so if you're going through san francisco la or you're going to vegas you know or fort lauderdale or texas or georgia any of those you know and you happen to be in the airport then we can take care of you sounds like a good reason to plan a girl's trip yeah let's all go get on the prescription service (laughs) so good Okay. Well, thank you so, so much. Um, you're so inspiring. I've already connected with you on Aww. LinkedIn and um, Yay. Yeah, we'll chat soon. Keep in touch. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, have a good one. Stay safe. This podcast was brought to you by invoice to go We're an invoicing and billing app that helps business owners work and get paid from anywhere at any location around the globe. And we're helping close the gender-based pay gap. Because the current U.S. gender-based pay gap sits at around 19%, listeners of the Female Founders Network podcast will get exactly 19% off of any subscription. Just use the code EMPOWERWOMEN at checkout.